There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to another Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, Delighted to be back with you again for another week. Uh, Today we're going to talk about quite a difficult subject. We're going to talk about working through illness. And I think this is a really uh, important subject. It's a very topical subject. Um, I think a lot of people are having challenges with workplace stress. But also, um, I think uh, I'm certainly noticing uh, around my sort of network, a lot of people who are suffering at the moment with cancer. My dad's very sick with cancer at the moment. Um, A number of uh, friends or the family members, um, even my dog had cancer this summer. Um, So it just makes sense at the moment to have a conversation, I think, about um, how do we deal with um, serious illness in the workplace and how do we deal with it if we're busy and have a busy working life and we've suddenly were jolted by uh, something um, significant happening to our health. Maybe it's uh, completely caught us by surprise. And how do we deal with it? How do we deal with our employees, with our children, with our families? So we're going to talk about that today. And before we do that, um, I'd like to, of course, say a big thank you to my guests last week, to Catapult uh, Partners. Um, Really enjoyed talking with Elizabeth Van um, Hearn and also with, um, uh, with Steve Sharp, and um, we talked about digital transformation and, and also the impact that has when it comes to people. And their consultancy works with some great organizations uh, around the globe and helps them to really get the uh, people aligned uh, and, and engaged with, uh, with digital transformation. Because uh, often with technology, people can get you know, nervous with it and concerned about it and uh, uh, not really support it. And it seems like it's the next thing and it's the next thing. And actually, we get confused because there's so much different technology we can adopt. And how do we do all of that in a very effective and coherent way? So a big thank you to Elizabeth last week and also to uh, Steve Sharp. Now, I was quite surprised to read that a recent UK study revealed that one in two people born after 1960 will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. In fact, I was so surprised by that. I checked with my wife, who's a GP, and she said, yep, yeah, that's the statistics. So how do we best deal with this, this significant consequences of it, if it strikes us? Uh, as I've mentioned, my own father has pan- advanced pancreatic cancer at the moment, and I'm really um, surprised and shocked by how many people around me have these uh, sort of serious illnesses. Um, one of our former guests, um, Owen Osulaban, um, who was as a brilliant musician, lost his very famous um, musician and composer father, Michael, uh, last week to a to serious illness. Um, Michael was a, a national treasure in Ireland. So I just want to say a big, uh, my best wishes are going out to Owen and his family at the moment. Um, if you get the chance, um, try and Google Michael O'Sullivan. Um It's S-U-I-L-L-E-A-B-H-A-I-N. And have a listen on YouTube to his song, Woodbrook. It's, uh, it's amazing. So I'm going to introduce you now to my really amazing, inspiring guest today, Donya Youssef. Now, just after celebrating her 39th birthday, she, um, being a very busy uh, working uh, lady with a a great company, um, completely received some devastating news that she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and it spread to her lymph nodes. She had only a 40% chance of survival. 
And she's um, really then faced the prospect of having to tell her children, who are only two and five, um, that she was sick and could possibly die. Uh, but instead of shutting down, she decided to take up uh, the challenge and really play to her strengths and, and, and with renewed purpose has really inspired others to overcome traumatic news and is helping families suffering from serious illness. She's been through lots of treatment, um, which I'm sure she'll tell us about surgery and radiotherapy and chemotherapy. And she's now thankfully in, in um, remission. Um, but, you know, she had to do all of this while she was running a, uh, a very uh, successful uh, agency that she set up. It's called Tiny Angels, and they're now modeling an acting agency for children. And, um, but at the same time, while she's been going through this, she's not just been dealing with it all um, and just from managing what she has. She's also been writing books, and her book, uh, The Monster in Mummy, has provided a platform which can help children with cancer to become published authors and to help raise funds for charity. I think she's on a, a close to a completion of a second book now. There's more books coming out in the series, uh, and it's been really, really remarkable. So a huge welcome today to my guest, uh, Don Youssef. Hi, thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Nice Hi. talking to you. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Hi. Yeah, very, very good, thank you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, thank you. I think we're both. Um, I think we're both um, busy juggling children this afternoon. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our conversation a little early. Don't worry. Yeah, I can breathe now. <laughs> <laughs> I know what they're like. With two and five. Um, it's uh, they're yeah. quite. Yeah, quite so young, busy. and they don't. Um, they don't understand. Mummy needs to just to, just to take a call. Oh, I won't be very long. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're fine, thankfully, now. So if, all good. If, we, if we hear them and they come and join us, that'll be absolutely fine. I think I mentioned to you earlier, my, my dog decided to join me while I was doing the show last week, which was a oh. bit of a surprise. He never normally does. And he, he's, a huge, he's a huge beast, and he, he was walking round and round in circles, and he could hear his claws on the, um, on the office floor. And I ended up having to go oh. to a commercial break earlier to uh, go and move him to the <laughs> end of the house. <laughs> so it happened. So. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> So you're, you're based yeah. in the south. Are you, are you, do you live in London? Is, where, where are you from originally? I'm What's just on the outskirts of London, actually. Um, I was like, brought up in the Middle East, actually. My father's a, a doctor um, in the army, so we travelled quite a lot in the Middle East um, as a young child. And then I um, moved to Mayfield in Sussex um, and went to school, secondary school there. And then I moved to London um, as a teen, and I'm now, um, yeah, just out, on the outskirts of London, um, near the Dartford Crossing. So south I am, and I've been here for a few years now. So, yeah, no, no, it's all good. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, I lived in Ealing for quite a lot of years in London. I enjoyed my time. Well, yeah. I enjoyed my time in London. It was, it was great, um, but a bit quieter out here in the, in the country yeah, in Middle yeah. England. I think once you have children, you decide to just um, yeah move, move into quieter areas. So uh, yeah, it's quite quiet where we are, which is nice. It's nice. You can afford a little bit more space, I find as well in the yeah, central London. Right. And it's so expensive, and what you can get um, for, for your for your money, um, you know, just moving slightly slightly further out of London, you know, it's just amazing, really. And it's so, you know, it's still so easy to commute into London from where I am, so I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, so tell, tell us a bit about your sort of journey then to to this cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, I got diagnosed. Actually, tell, tell you what, but before we do that, I mean, you, you told us a little yeah. bit about you, you, you're born up in, so you're brought up in the Middle East, 
uh, quite a lot yeah. with your father being a, a GP. But you know, what what happened in your childhood that kind of led you to Tiny Angels? Before we get into the into the uh, the cancer um, story, I really loved. Uh, I probably was. Um, I really loved sort of acting, and um, I was always quite a driven child. So I always used to do quite competitive. I used to love doing. I used to play the organ. I used to do sort of competitions all over the country. Um, and I was always, you know, my mother was always sort of, you've got to try this, you've got to do this, you've got to experience this, you've got to go here. So I, I was always pretty fearless as a child, I, I'd probably say that. And we lived, um, we had a farm as well, so we had the horses. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, we did a lot of um, a lot of horse riding events as well. So I was always taught as a child, you know, Whenever you get knocked down or you fall off, you get back on that horse again. Seems to have uh, so, seems to just lost. Oh, you're back again now. Can you can you still hear me, Donia? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, and I, I was um, you. yeah just a very keen horse rider. So I did a lot of riding. I did a lot of competitions, and um, obviously I fell off. You know that was part of the game. But my mother really installed into me. You know, when you fall off, Donia, um, you have to get back on. You know, you have to get back up again. So. I think as a young child, I always had this installed in me that, you know, things don't always go to plan. So you always have to just get up and, you know, get back up again. And so I had this. So I, I kind of grew up quite fearless. I was kind of doing cross-country fences all, you know, jumping huge jumps and not really worrying about it at all. Um, but if I fell, up, fell off, I'd curl into a little ball and, you know, I'd get straight back on again. So I was always quite uh, a determined um, and yeah just I like experiencing different things as well but I had a good childhood I was, I was one of five um, so I was the second eldest and um, it was good fun you know we had, we had lots of us sadly um, my elder sister who's a year older than me she did pass um, about 10 years ago um, so that was a little trauma, but you know, generally growing up, we, we all we all we all had fun. You know, we all mixed in and we all um, looked after the sheep and the horses. And you know, then we were in the, obviously in the Middle East and we we travelled around. I used to go to the mosques with my dad, and um, my mum's a Catholic and my father's an, uh, a Muslim. So um, yeah, I kind of grew up, uh, I guess, a little confused. I used to call myself a Moscast. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, so I was half and half. and um, But, yeah, I mean, I had a bit of an eye-opening to a lot of things. Um, whilst I, I went to various schools in the Middle East, Charger English School. and um, So I mixed with a lot of different people and cultures. And we, we lived in Egypt. My parents have got a, a place out there as well. Um, so I had an eventful childhood, should we say. You know, I was always um, wanting to experiment. As a teen, I was a... A bit of a tear away, should we say? I always wanted to um, try new things and accomplish new things, and you know, I was a, a little bit of a probably a little bit of an exhibitionist as well. You know, I, I loved being on stage. I I loved uh, you know acting and having my pictures taken. So it was uh, yeah, quite a little princess, shall I say? <laughs> <laughs> so what? So that's that sounds amazing. A, a very basic, uh, in a nutshell, a, a little bit about my childhood. You know, we 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 
we, 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 we lived a good life. You know, we were fortunate. And I went to uh, one of the top private schools in the country um, for secondary school. So, I, you know, I had a fortunate um, upbringing. And, um, yeah, I, I really, I look back and I, I, I'm grateful for sort of everything I kind of accomplished and experienced. Thanks. So you, you went and set up this um, Tiny Angels. So what, how did that come yeah. about? Um, my daughter started baby modelling when she was four months old. And I worked um, in publishing for 10 years prior. I actually worked for um, Lord Allen Sugar directly before I set up the company. And that gave me an insight on obviously how businesses run, um, obviously I've got client contacts in the industry. So I kind of vaguely knew what I wanted to do and um, I had the experience of taking my daughter to all the castings and the shoots. So it gave me an insight of how it all works. And then I just got, she got to 10 months and I was like, I really want to... I really want to do something. I really want to... I've always wanted to set up a business, but I wasn't quite sure what um, and how. And then I decided to set up um, my company, Tiny Angels, and I decided I wanted to do it myself from scratch, and that included the website as well. So I went onto the GoDaddy and you know got the templates and stuff and started it all off um, overnight one night and set up my social media pages, and it really took off. Um, so it started getting really, really busy. So um, I then employed um, a lady who was fantastic. And um, obviously as the business grew, we just got busier and busier. So now there's, there's 10 of us on board. Um, it's been running, going into six year now, six year now. Um, and we have, gosh, I mean, it's, it's probably around 600 children on the books, which is, you know, we keep it quite small. You know, other agencies do have more, but because we meet all the children, we really want to get to know the children as well. So we know what um, clients, you know, they want to know that, you know, we've met the children and that, you know, when we put them in front of the camera, that they can actually do, um, you know, they, 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 you know, they've got the confidence and they're, they're not frightened and stuff. Mm. So, so we about four minutes till commercial break now, but I, I was wondering if you maybe could just tell us a bit about this, your journey to you know your cancer diagnosis and how you know how that's impacted you and your family. That'd be a good place to to, to move to if that's okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, on the work front, obviously, it did impact my work and family, so I had to take on extra staff. I I had to delegate some of my workload um, when I physically couldn't do it, whether I was having an operation or whether I was um, in the hospital. Um, family times were hard because you're suffering from extreme exhaustion and the sickness. Sometimes you just don't even feel like being a mum. You don't think anyone else um, is affected in the family as they're not going through it directly. However, it really does affect every single family member, more so than what I imagined you know the children were playing up they were really challenging for me especially the youngest the eldest you know was wetting her bed um, and then obviously trying to juggle this it was hard um, but you know over the time I was I'm such a determined person so I was I didn't want to 
um, I didn't want to stop working. I thought it was really important that I continue to work, but I had to find a different way of balancing it and juggling it all, especially, you know, sometimes I had to be in the hospital sort of three times a week. I didn't, I couldn't really plan anything. So that had an impact on the family because we couldn't really plan outings. Um, obviously work, I had to ensure everything was in place. So um, when I spoke to my employers, we, we just covered everything. So as if I wasn't there, but I wanted to be there. So I made sure I was kind of working all the time as well when I could. Um, the, the children did struggle more than I expected, if I'm honest with you. And they played up a lot more when they didn't know what was going on because I was going into the hospital um, all the time. I had to go, as soon as you hit a temperature, uh, you have to go straight to A&E. And then you're kept in if the blood's, because of your immunity, is so low. Sometimes I'd be in A&E for like four nights, kept in. So the children just didn't know what was going on. So they were, yeah, they were scared. And they, you know, I, I, I just, I got, at the beginning, I just didn't know what to say to the children. So it was, it, it was tricky. It, it was, it was difficult. But, you know, you just, once you're in it, you just learn different coping mecha mechanisms on, on how to, to cope and how to deal with it and how to juggle. And you just, you just have to get on with it. Yeah, I think I'm really um, inspired by the way you very much you, you were sort of managing this and you're so you're getting on with life and you're keeping moving things forward but that would suddenly you know as business people we quite generally quite like to be in control of what we're doing and our diaries and our time and we've got you know tasks and meetings and things and suddenly this has come in and it's uh, really really interrupted everything hasn't it Absolutely. Um, so, must be really difficult. Well, unfortunately, we've got to go to commercial break here uh, again. Well, so not again, um, right now. And but after the break, I want to uh, sort of find out just a little bit more about this, but also uh, how you know what brought you to write this um, this great book, Monster and Mummy. And also, then I'd like to kind of move in as well for more your experience that you've been through, Donia, um, to to talk about you know, some some of the best sort of practice and tips that we can offer other people who may be going through this, or may have employees going through this, or colleagues, or family members and got to talk to kids and, and I think some of that will be really valuable for people so we're we'll back again yeah, with you cool. all in just a couple of minutes when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. 
Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Donya Yousef. And before the break, um, Donya, we were talking about you know, your background and you know your great lessons that you learned from your mum about getting up when you fall down and, and dealing with things. Yeah. And you I asked you about your, your cancer. You you sort of moved straight on to, you know, and talk, talking to employees, talking to uh, your kids and how they were in fact impacted and, you know, managing diary and stuff. But you, you didn't really say anything about, you know, for, for you personally, um, you, you were very much thinking about other people. Um, mm. How did you, you know, sort of comprehend? Because it must seem quite an enormity when, you know, 39 is, is a young age and you're diagnosed with uh, with something that, you know, could be you know, very significant uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your longevity if it's not brought under control. I mean, it was a huge shock to me. I mean, I was in total shock because I never imagined, never in a million years imagined I'd have that. You know, I was extremely healthy. Um, you know, I was young. I was still breastfeeding the little one. So I didn't think in a million years, you know, you just, it's not the, the, the normal sort of protocol of life, <laughs> I thought. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, I mean, I did, uh, for the first couple of weeks, I, you know, I cried and cried. It was horrendous. I, I, I literally planned my death. I put everything into practical. I, um you know, I spoke to my partner, obviously, about what would happen when I'm gone. Um, I just, after the shock, I just went really practical. So I wrote down everything, what I would do if I died, and what, um, obviously, about the, the business, the kids, the properties I own. I just felt um, I couldn't get upset. I needed to do something quick, because, obviously, they told me that there was a chance I would die in the first year so I had to you know just take emotions away because um, it wasn't helping me and I thought let's just get practical and we'll just deal with everything practical and then um, I can deal with my emotions you know when and as it hits me so you know it, like I said it, it was it was a huge it was a huge shock it was a massive shock you know it, you know it was a shock to my family it was a you know, my sister had only recovered from a heart attack two weeks prior. So, you know, it was just it just came to another kind of double whammy. You know, after our other sister had passed, it was this. You know, there's, an, there's enough one family can take, um, but I knew I had to be strong for my mum, um, and I knew I had to be strong for my kids. So and my family. So I just I thought, right, come on, get yourself together. You know. 
we've got a, you know the fabulous um, business there and employees, and I need to, you know, I need to keep my strength up. And yeah, and obviously, then I decided, you know, I wanted to diarize all my thoughts and all my feelings. I wanted to get them out um, to help me. And I did from day one, and I blogged everything, and I wrote, you know, everything down, absolutely everything. And then I woke up one day um, when I was going through all the chemos. I mean, it was horrendous. I picked up sepsis. I'd got blood clots. I had blood transfusions. I mean, it was... I don't... I look back now, and I think, how on earth did I do it? But I used to take my laptop into the hospital, and I used to sit working away. But it really helped me, and I, you know, that's what I'm kind of sort of encouraging others to do as well. And then I decided I wanted to write a book. I wanted to put everything because I was witnessing all these people suffering on all these groups, and it was just breaking my heart. And I was like, there's got to be a platform where we can help, you know, help each other communicate the diagnosis to our kids. And then I just woke up one day and I said, look, I need to find a publisher. I need someone to help me because I want to write a book on explaining to young children how we can get through um, telling them about a cancer diagnosis. And obviously I'd gone and researched and there wasn't a great deal out there. I think it was just crazy. You know, there needs to be more out there. I mean, there was a one book which I read, and that was the book which inspired me to write my book. And I used to sit down, I got the girls, and I sat them one on either side of me, and that's how I broke the news to my children. And um, they, weird thing, they accepted it completely fine. Um, obviously, they asked questions, um, which I covered in my book, and um, it was you know, they kind of got it in their language. It was very basic, and, and the fear was taken away from them. So when I go to hospital, they're absolutely fine now. There's no issue. They know I've communicated um, with them honestly, you know, which they need, and, they, they, you know, they deserve to know because, you know, their little brains are going and thinking all kinds of things. So... That's, you know, that's what inspired me to, to write my book amongst um, the whole um, turmoil of, of everything I was going through. But it was like a therapy for me, and it really, really helped. And it gave me the drive and a different focus, even though it's obviously still relative to cancer. It was a different focus because I was doing something new, and I was creating something new, and I was going to be helping other people, and I was going to be, you know, it was just... It just felt all right um, to do. And I was still wanting to show others that we can live a normal life to a degree. You know, I can still work if I juggle the days because the first three days after chemo, um, after chemo, you're okay again. So I kind of, um, I kind of could plan, semi-plan, should we say, because you just don't know some, you know, if you can get a temperature, but... Um, I could kind of juggle what I thought would be good, so I knew on a certain day I could take the children out, but on other days I'd need help. Um, but I was okay, just sometimes I just wanted to lock myself in the bedroom and 
just sit with my computer and just work because that was the only thing which would take my focus off it. The children, sometimes it was hard because it was an emotional attachment um, where sometimes I struggled because I was getting frustrated. I couldn't run up and down. You know, I had a, 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 it's called a pick line which goes into my arm, which stayed in my arm for six months to administer the chemo. So the children were frightened, like, what's this, mummy? Why have you got this needle, the tubes in your arm? And, you know, it was, it was a lot of things. It was a lot of things that, you know, I just, I felt after bringing out the book and, and, and talking to the children, it was the best thing I could have done. Excellent. And uh, how did, uh, you mentioned earlier that you, you had to mention, tell, tell people in the workplace. I mean, any, any thoughts on you know, how, you best, how you best do that? How do you best communicate to your staff and explain what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, um, I would probably encourage not to panic. It's not a death sentence, you know, and that's my first reaction. I've got a death sentence. You know, it is a huge shock initially, but, um, you know, obviously keeping busy and your mind focused on work hugely helped me. Um, I think working from home, is another tip I can offer, um, reducing hours really helped as well. Um, just simple things as well, like rest breaks or short walks outdoors can really help. Um, taking time off um, if they feel distressed, say if one of my employees was diagnosed, and ask them if they'd like to call a relative or a friend or offer them cancer support. There's so many specialists out there who are just fantastic. Um, you might not feel like talking, but I it's really, really important to keep communication open. Um, and I definitely think not talking makes things a lot harder to deal with. Um, I would also um, offer them an employee counselling service as well. Um, and, you know, just showing empathy as well. Have you noticed your... You know, you know, have you have you been surprised by how your team have responded in terms of maybe stepping up and because because often businesses who are small businesses you know can be quite can be quite focused on you know the the owner because they can be the real engine that drives things forward but obviously when that person has to step back and has to take time yeah. out of the business and maybe go part time and you, you really require people to to step up was that the was that the case for your business or, or? they had to yeah. I mean, two of them, I put them in charge. And, um, but I mean, they were very understanding um, because I communicated with my work um, employees straight away. So they were very, I mean, obviously they were at shock as well, but they were very understanding and, you know, they, they were so good. They were really, really fabulous. I then took on two more staff because I knew the workload was a lot. Um, so I put things into place um, so it would make their lives easier as well. Um, I had to, you know, go to treatments all the time. So, but I always made sure that, that they could get hold of me. Um, but, you know, sometimes when I, like, I'm having an operation and stuff, they couldn't. So I would, I mean, they, they to be fair, they were always telling me, please, don't take the laptop, please, when you go to hospital, just relax and rest. And they kept telling me off, to be fair. But, um, 
because I wanted to keep it upbeat and I wanted to keep it positive, you know, I wanted to know, let them know that I'm still there, you know, I'm still, I'm not leaving them completely alone. Um, but they had to also know the seriousness if something happened to me, you know, we, we had to talk about things. So, um, you know, we've all been on a learning curve as well, to be fair, and none of us were expecting it, but we've, you know, we've all you know, really supported um, each other throughout it all, actually. And, um, you know, they were absolutely fantastic. You know, I cannot fault them. They were brilliant, you know. And I just think talking to them, they understand where you're coming from because you you know, might have a mood swing or you might be irritable because you're tired, you know, or the drugs are making you feel so ill. You have to communicate um, because if they don't know, they're not going to have a clue what's going on, and then you probably end up losing your staff because they probably think, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't really want to work for for someone who's not there or not who's quite short with us. And but you know, once they understood where I was from, you know, it's fine. Mm. So yeah, strongly, strongly um, encouraged the, the, the communication, and obviously and things in place like you would do if someone was sick. Um, or of taking a, a long period of time off. And is there a, you know, is, is there a bit? I can imagine the situation that um, you know your your team, who, who I'm sure you know, just think think uh, think the world of you, and they're you know they're wanting to take things off you, not you not take your laptop and let you go and have your mm-hmm. treatment. But is there also a bit that people maybe have to be mindful of? Actually, there is that going on, and there's times that you're going to be you know, and not be able to give the business your attention. But as up also, okay. is there a need that you want to also feel needed? Um, because if uh, yeah. you're completely cut off, you can, you know, you, you're not part of the team anymore, are you? And you're, you're, you're wondering right. what's going on. And, you, you know, I think there's a human human need to feel needed. Um, That's right, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't want them to feel like they were alone. So I was so determined to, to fight through it that, I mean, they did take on a lot. You know, they they took on a lot initially, and I knew that I couldn't do that. So they actually sourced the new um, the, the new member of staff for me, and um, so that that really took pressure off as well. So um, you know, it, it, it was good. They they were really helpful. <laughs> and and, and um, I, I'm sort of now wondering as well. You know, how what your thoughts are on how people best approach somebody. With illness, and I, 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 having had some experience myself of this of, of late and talking to people, I find you know some people want to talk, some don't. I've got somebody yeah. I just yeah. found out this week who's um, having having chemo, and I hadn't realised, but they're quite a private person. But I'm obviously I'm concerned about them, and I'm wondering how best to approach them and offer offer support um, to show that I care really. Um, what what are your tips on how to approach somebody who? who maybe is ill, you know, should you talk about it? Should you not talk about it? Should you change the subject? Should you, um, it's over to you really. I would make um, reasonable adjustments such as offering flexible working arrangements. I feel being supportive of your employee affected by cancer will make a huge difference to them. Um, it's a very, very difficult time. They want to know that they can speak to you. They want support. They're very frightened. Um, or, you know, I can imagine, obviously, from my first-hand experience, it's so frightening. Um, you know, I'd love to just be able to help reduce their anxiety and give them 
you know, I think this is really important. Give them the confidence to deal with cancer at work. You know, don't make them feel alien because, you, you know, even also I lost all my hair and I, I, was, I felt like an alien. I thought people were staring at me, you know, until people made it, like, accepting and we had, like, a wig party and we had made it really fun at work. You know, we had really good times. And that's what I think should be encouraged. Um, so I think raising the awareness of the condition in any organization um, should be encouraged. I would also highlight the support um, um, I could offer for my company. And this may be very simple, like encouraging all the team to take part in the fundraising. Um, and I, I, you know, I love that when people sort of went out of their way um, to do fun things um, or fundraising events and stuff. Uh, so I think, you know, that's a really good way of supporting each other um, as well because the team members get affected too. So I'd also ensure to listen at all times to them. You know, it's really important to just let them air their feelings and encourage conversations um, by asking open questions. You know, don't, if they don't want to talk fair enough, but just... You know, just just try and just try and just be a listener. That's all. Sometimes someone wants. Um, also, show them it's okay to be upset. You know, it's fine to cry in the workplace. It's absolutely fine. It's you know, I would um, encourage to remain calm as an employer and allow your employee to take time to express their emotions, show empathy. Um, obviously, if the, if the meeting you have with your um, employee is difficult and he or she is getting extremely distressed, I probably um, encourage maybe to hold uh, uh, the, the conversation at a different time. Um, but it is very important to talk um, with all employees early on, and I think you should ask them uh, early on about what they want to disclose to their colleagues and what if they actually want their colleagues to know. Um, I think asking them as well if they want to break the news to the colleagues themselves or if they would want uh, the employer to do this. And also how much information should be shared. Um, always let them know that whatever they don't want to share will always remain confidential. Uh, so we're going to go to commercial break again now. Um, it's uh, yeah. that time again already, and um, I think wow. after the break, it just goes so quick. Uh, after, after the break, we're going to um, talk a little bit more about um, um, it, you know how do we um, how do we help our colleagues in the workplace? Um, each of us, when you know, if a colleague colleagues are struggling with the illness of other colleagues in the workplace and, and also maybe should companies have clear policies when it comes to this and what might be included uh, and then I'd love to find out a bit more about um, about uh, the monster series and how that's developing and progressing because there's some really interesting uh, and very um, uh, very um, supportive and, uh, and and caring and helpful um, literature that's uh, coming out from uh, Donya and uh, I think will help lots of people who are, are dealing with this uh, amongst their families and friends etc so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes from the boardroom to you voice america business network 
Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and with Donya Yousef. We're talking about working through illness and I'm, I'm sort of intrigued to ask your opinion on this. That um, what I've noticed, and I think it, it often gets overlooked, is that you, know, you might have employees in the workplace who are feeling um, stressed and anxious because other people in their family, for example, are, uh, are unwell at the moment. Or you might have colleagues who are struggling because uh, colleagues of theirs are ill and uh, they're feeling stressed and, uh, and and anxious about that, and it's impacting impacting their work. You know, I know the moment I'm trying to work through the, my dad being very sick, and I know that's having an impact on me. I seem to have been re- more productive than I realised this week. I went wrote back with everything I kind of achieved this week before this call, and realised actually I'd done a lot more than I was giving myself credit for. But it it still has a a real impact on you. So I wonder what what tips you can maybe give. You know, for for leaders, so you can maybe you know help people who are uh, who are suffering stress because their loved ones are ill, or um, or, or just concerned because colleagues in the workplace are ill, and uh, it's impacting their work and their ability to kind of kind of think clearly. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to educate employees, and there are various resources. Um, there's a resource such as the Essential Working Cancer Toolkit which can be shared with all employees in the workplace. Um, this is available from Macmillan, who was extremely supportive and had loads of resources. So there's a lot of support out there and um, resources on offer. Um, Macmillan also offer cancer support specialists, which provide emotional support to employees and managers as well, um, which is extremely valuable. So it's also putting them in touch with other sources of information as well if they can't provide the actual information you want. Also, um, I think it's really good to have like videos on work and cancer um, to educate the employees, which should be extremely beneficial um, because it's actually giving real-life examples and advice on how to minimize the impact of cancer at work. Um, 
And Macmillan, again, once again, they're very, very happy to, to provide all of this information for you. So, you know, even as a, as a manager having the, the basic um, knowledge, you know, you still don't have all the knowledge um, like, you know, the Macmillan or all the, all the other cancer specialist support team, which they're very, very happy to help. Um, so I would always reach out for support um, and, yeah, I just think it is, it's definitely the way moving forward, especially as they're now sort of one in two, they're saying um, are going to be diagnosed with cancer during their lifetime, which is a lot. And, um, you know, these, these are working, working age people. So I think we really need to take um, cancer in the workplace seriously, and especially like um, with chemotherapy and stuff, you know, your brain... You get like the, the the brain fog. I mean, even me sometimes now I'm having a conversation, and I'm struggling to think straight. So I'll, I'll I'll talk and then I'll completely veer off track because I haven't got a clue um, what I was talking about. So it really does. The drugs definitely affect your brain. You know, I'm definitely a lot slower um, now than I used to be, and I'm a lot more forgetful. My memory's a lot worse. So I think as an employer, you'd have to be, you know, you'd be really conscious about things like this. You know, don't overload um, your employees because, you know, it's, the stress is not good at all. And also, you know, it's, it's, your memory goes, you're on a lot of different medications. And also psychologically, I would say that's the biggest impact over the physical. And it's, you know, you've got to take into account all of these things. Um, so, you know, once again, I just can't highlight enough to communicate um, because it, it, it does it does really help. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, we're talking about cancer, but there's also so many other things that people can come down with as well it's not just not just cancer i would also just you know fully endorse what yeah, you've that's right. what you've said there, what you've yeah. said there in terms of Macmillan. and i just think that organization i think you you just you appreciate how good that organization is when you've you've yeah. had an experience of them and they have just uh they have uh transformed the experience for my, my parents with my own father's cancer uh, they have just uh helped incredibly so i'm i'm really really grateful to for them and to endorse them very very highly um, for their yeah. sort of approach and support they give, which uh, and it's, it's a shame in some ways that they're outside of the kind of health health service over here. They're you know they're kind of looking from the outside, then looking at how they can contribute and help. But they did that really well. They're amazing, absolutely amazing. They were brilliant with me from day dot, um, and still really really good. You know, and I just even the NHS people complained about that. You know, I think they've done an amazing. They're doing an amazing job out there. Um, you know, for, for, for the funding and stuff. Um, I just, yeah. I, and But Macmillan, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And mm. you know, there's a lot more support when you, you... I mean, the amount of support I've had, um, even with various fundings you can get, uh, and they talk you all through it. It helps you fill out forms. Um, so, you know, just reach out to them. That You know, they're... they're if they can't help, they can put you in some to touch with someone else. Um, so yeah, that's amazing, amazing. Right. So do do you think um, 
Should companies have really clear policies then in, in place to deal with you know, supporting employees or, or should it be just a, you know, an, ad, an ad hoc approach? I mean, imagine big companies do, but you know, should, should yeah. be a policy written to, and thought through carefully as to how this should all work? Absolutely. I mean, every two minutes someone is now diagnosed with cancer um, and you can expect the incidence of cancer in the workplace to increase. I think it's essential that managers are knowledgeable. I think they should be equipped and ready to respond. Because like I said, you know, it's just becoming uh, one in two now. It, it, it needs to be addressed. Um, I also think it's um, important for risk assessments to be reviewed and adjusted to the individual um, and obviously for those working with them. So just for example, you know, just the physical demands of the work, um, impact of fatigue, um, I would consider these issues in the, incess- in the assessment, uh, obviously the psychological demands of the work, the increased risk of inf- infection for those undergoing chemotherapy because they're picking up everything, even just getting to work. Um, I mean, some days I couldn't actually leave the house. Um, because I'd walk outside and I'd pick up something. So I had to walk around with a mask inside my house um, because of the risk of infection. I did pick up sepsis. So I know it is just really, really important um, to keep away from bugs. Um, so I would, you know, uh, yep, yeah, obviously look into the, the risk assessment and for the risk of infections. Um, obviously, blood, white, white blood cells drop the journey to work, as, as discussed, and the risks posed um, by home working as well. So you've obviously got lots of different things to, to think about. Um, eliminating lifting and carrying, um, I think allowing employees to work from home during this time um, because it's, it's going to help with their fatigue and it's going to help reduce the exposure to infection um, and also providing a personal emergency evacuation plan um, are just a, f- a few examples um, of what I feel um, should, should, be, should be done. But, yeah, I definitely think, obviously, this has come so prominent to me now that all of these things are, um, you know, in place, which I think they should be um, with, with all companies moving forward. Some really important messages in there. I, you know, I hadn't, you know, when, when you're, you're a company leader, uh, and you're very focused on the sort of task in hand. You know, it can, these things that come into the the world can can be almost you know frustrating because they're slowing down where you want to get to. Um, but right. actually, yeah. when it comes down to it, people are are just are so important. And uh, and yeah. you know, these are the moments, aren't they? That if you if you treat people well uh, and you really care for them, they're going to be more loyal. Your, the rest Absolutely. of your team is going to be more loyal because then um, they've seen, you know, what a wonderful organisation this, how caring, how supportive, and uh, exactly. uh, you know, and it's it's an opportunity, isn't it, to really show your mettle, I think, as a as a leader that's and right. as a business when yeah. when people really need it. That's right, yeah, and that's what they want. They want support. They they need it, you know, and and you'll you know you'll get you'll get better. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have a, a much better working environment um, for all round, for everyone, you know. So, um, yeah, I just think supporting staff in the right way 
um, really is crucial, you know. And, it's, you know, it's going to help retain the staff anyway. Um, so you're saving your recruitment costs, you know, if you're thinking on, on, on that line. But I just, yeah, I think from a caring kind perspective i just think it's really important just to really understand and put yourself in their shoes and just think actually how would i feel if if this person and i think there's you know there's a lack of empathy these days and i just think that you know we need to show empathy and and educate others to to do the same too and you know we can all you know you can't just write someone off because they've got cancer and that's it you're not going to pay them anymore you know we need to all work together to find ways um, of how we can all get through this because they can still work. You know, it's just, you know, adjustments, like I said, just need to be made. Yeah, Donny, I just remind we're nearly at the end of the interview now, and I, I completely get what you're saying. You know, for me, I'm very passionate about engagement in the workplace. It's the it's a prime area that we focus on helping companies with. And I hadn't thought about this in how you approach illness actually as being you know an important part mm-hmm. of that um, that sort of process. So I've got I've got one minute in that. I'd just like you to tell us about what's next for Donny and your monster series. Okay, I'm bringing out a book um, next week actually called The Monster and Mikey, which is a child's journey on cancer to help families see this from a child's point of view. And I'm also working my next book of the series called The Monster in Wonderland, which will be a colouring activity book for children so they can be um, involved. And working on a feature film currently as well. Um, so, yeah, lots of... Uh, <laughs> Lots of things are happening, um, which is which is, is really good. So uh, just keeping keeping busy, busy keeping the, the the awareness campaign going, and yeah, I'm just keeping keeping writing with the books and trying to get as much uh, knowledge and understanding Excellent. out there to the world. Excellent. Well, I think um, it also feels like after after today there ought to be a, a monster in the workplace as well. Um, <laughs> further down the line thought this second i thought that's going to be my next book <laughs> yeah, monster in the workplace yeah i think would be monster um, in the workplace so yes i will definitely definitely be doing that <laughs> okay so do, uh, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with yes um from business view i would love everyone and to encourage um them to support their staff in the right way, as it definitely has business benefits. Um, it can help, like I said, retain knowledgeable staff, save on your recruitment and training costs, foster loyalty, and drive a positive image of the company, both to customers and potential employees. So that's, you know, be loyal to your staff, be, and they will do the same back to you. You know, drive a positive workplace, and everyone will benefit. Great way to end. Donny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, really enjoyed. Uh, you, I, I so you know, wish great success for what you're doing, for your books, and uh, you know, I hope your illness now, you've had enough of it, it's time it was behind you, and uh, you can now move forward really positively. That's what I, I hope for you and your family. Um, you can buy The Monster in Mummy um, as well, Demonstify Cancer for Children from Amazon, many good bookstores, and just keep looking out for the series as it develops and it grows and uh, and, and helps more and more people all around the world. So uh, I wish you all well. Next week, I mean, Thanksgiving in the US, so we're going to repeat a show. I did a great show with uh, Nabil, Nabil Doss, who is the 
uh, does the voiceover for all the big, I think, Paramount Pictures uh, movies in uh, in Canada. Um, he's the French voice of Paramount Pictures and also is a, a brilliant speaker. And he talks about kind of your elevation pitch and how to really do that in a really magnificent, um, almost cinema-like way. So I thought that would be a good show for next week. And then the following week, we've got a wonderful friend of mine who's a, a brilliant expert on coaching, career success, Hilary Wilson. And she'll be um, with us the, the week after. So I wish you all, if you're celebrating Thanksgiving next week, I wish you a wonderful time. Thanks again to Donya. And um, uh, if you've got any questions, comments, feel free to connect with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And Donny, if anybody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do it? Yes, please do feel free to connect with me by my website. Um, and it's got all the details on the social media links. Um, so the website is www.themonster-series.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Donia. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.